The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, Making Smart Cool, a conversation with Prince EA, a young man using rap to transform us and our world. Too much I and not enough we. That's one of the core messages of Prince EA, a rapper who demonstrates that rap has often gotten a bad rap. Here's a young man mentioning no words but using wit, artistry, and keen observation to wake us up to what we're doing that's destroying us and the planet. His video, Why I Think This World Should End, covers the gamut of what's wrong with our world and calls upon us to change. And he's not just talking, he's doing. He's doing something about it with his music and his movement, making smart cool, integrating consciousness into hip-hop. Who is Prince EA? What inspired him to take this path? How does he explain his huge success? Stay tuned to this conversation with Prince EA about the global shift on this planet. Plus, watch Why I Think This World Should End on Beth's new Interrevolutionary TV channel on voiceamerica.tv. Also enjoy a growing list of videos that tell the truth and give us hope. And now, here's Beth. Hi there. Well, this has been the most exciting time for us. Um, I don't know how it's been for you. We're very excited because we have just started a TV channel on voiceamerica.tv, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But first, I'm so excited that we're going to be talking to Prince EA. We've been corresponding back and forth, and we have one of his videos on our Interrevolutionary TV channel as we speak. So if you go to Interrevolutionary TV uh, on voiceamerica.tv, you will see Prince EA. I think I think the name I gave it is the Heart of a Prince. Anyway, it's very cute, and I introduce him and I introduce you to one of his videos. But in the meantime, uh, James has the news of the inner revolution. Yes, our first news is about eliminating segregation in the U.S. based on one sex. And this is an article from the Huffington Post, posted on uh, August the twenty-fifth of this year. Leading Muslim organization campaigns for women-friendly mosques. That's the title. The Islamic Society of North America is calling on mosques across the country to be more inclusive of women. For years, Muslim women women activists like Hind Maki have been calling attention to the state of women's prayer spaces in mosques. There's an incredible variety in America. Some mosques have beautiful prayer halls for women, while in other mosques, women are relegated to crowded basements or asked to watch the service on television from an overflow room. Now using scripture to bolster its claims, the Islamic Society of North America called for American mosques, called masjids in Arabic, to work harder to be more inclusive of women. The organization also boasts power, I'm sorry, support from respected Islamic scholars. For Maki, their backing is a big deal. In a related story, we learned that Southern California is also the home of the Women's Mosque of America with leading 
with women leading services. This is one thing they say about themselves. We are inspired by our legacy of female Muslim scholarship and leadership in the earliest years of Islam, and we hope to work toward sparking a revival in women's involvement in the community today through our efforts. And by the way, there is no dress code. Women can come as they like. And imagine that, women leading <laughs> services in the mosques. Well, I love these stories. But, you know, one of the things that I'm very curious about, I don't know if you guys were listening, but I talked to Ann Smith. Was it? No, it was two weeks ago. And Ann and I were talking about women and religion and do we climb the ladder or do we tear it down? And what I don't know about this is what's behind this thrust, what these women are thinking. But I think it's really exciting that they're creating their own places where women can stand up and do leadership. And that's a kind of a revolution. And uh, although it seems that there's a tradition for this, that this is not something that has never been done before in the Islamic world. Uh, in fact, they're quoting somebody who talks about it early on in, uh, in the Islamic history that women did have these kinds of roles. And that is extraordinarily like what Sister Chris Skank said um, in the Radical Grace film that we uh, screened and that we aired about how women were more active in the early Catholic Church and had positions of leadership. So I thought that was all very fascinating, don't you? So here it is. Yes. They're harking back to the old days to move forward into a more modern concept of the role of women. And so what we don't know about this, of course, is are these women challenging anything within the religion other than the fact that uh, women have not been able to have decent places to worship or that they've been excluded in many ways or are they challenging other things? I would really like to know much more about it, but I still think this is very exciting. Okay. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, our next uh, news item is from Upworthy.com. And this was posted on August the 14th. A 14-year-old girl disproves a college professor's published theory on racism by Googling it. 14-year-old Rebecca Freed took on a college professor who had denied that there was ever discrimination against the Irish in the U.S. Published in 2002 in the Journal of Social History, Richard Jensen's article was entitled, No Irish Need Apply, A Myth of Victimization. And he claimed that, contrary to popular belief, there had never been any recorded instances of newspaper ads or shop signs that said, no Irish need apply. Rebecca turned to Google to see if that was true. She <laughs> discovered irre irrefutable tr photo proof that Jensen's article was wrong. She found the evidence in newspaper archives and libraries. Rebecca published her own academic rebuttal to Jensen's article in the Oxford Journal of Social History on July the 4th of this year. When the news of Rebecca's publication hit irishcentral.com, Jensen took to the comments section to defend himself and get a few patronizing jabs in at his adolescent adversary. But Rebecca <laughs> had photos of a sign in a shop window from the 1800s saying, no Irish need apply, and the same message in a newspaper ad. <laughs> Jensen published a formal rebuttal to her rebuttal as well. But Rebecca has courageously stood her ground with the evidence that the Irish were indeed discriminated against. Thank you, Rebecca, for being a stand against discrimination denial. <laughs> I love that story, don't you? I yeah. mean, here's this 14-year-old kid. She's not intimidated. And look, 
You know, the Internet is one of the major weapons of the interrevolutionary, right? We get to talk to each other. We get to say what we have to say. We get to do our own research. We don't have to listen to the experts anymore. We can do not to say there's not a lot of garbage on the Internet, I'm sorry to say. But I think this is a great story because I, I think it shows that, that kids today are getting more independent-minded and they're thinking and I particularly love this story because there are people who deny that there was a Holocaust, and that, that really astounds me. I'd like to, them to tell me what happened to my family, what, you know what I mean, how they all disappeared. But uh, anyway, I love that story. Okay, It must have go. been taken up in the rapture, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Six million people. <laughs> absolutely. Just, just <laughs> disappeared. Just oh. disappear. So, I mean, you know, there are so many, den- there are so, so many forms of denial. But uh, what's so great about it is the independent thinking of young people. This is definitely a part of the interrevolution. And we're going to be linking that in because we have a young man with independent thinking also, Prince EA. But James has one more story. Yes. Our last item of news uh, of the interrevolution is from the Huffington Post, August the 24th. Kenyan churches launch interfaith campaign on climate change. While calling for global carbon emissions cuts, Kenya's National Council of Churches has launched a multi-faith campaign to lobby governments, industries, and multilateral agencies to agree on a binding treaty at the UN climate change talks in Paris in December of this year. Also, a pan-African climate justice campaign under the slogan, We Have Faith, Act Now for Climate Justice, has been launched that seeks to mobilize African religious communities on climate justice ahead of the December conference. It has launched a one million signature petition to push for a new treaty. Quote, climate change is to blame for conflicts over resources and new epidemics, said Anglican Archbishop Eluid Wabukala of Kenya. <laughs> okay, who's going to correct quote, you? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Wabukala. <laughs> right. Uh, quote, there will be no peace if we do not act to protect communities from negative impacts of climate change like hunger, water scarcity, and loss of natural beauty. This is a very serious topic, and we're going to be having uh, a climate evangelist next week, uh, uh, Catherine <laughs> Hayhoe, uh, talking about climate change. And I know that our today's guest, uh, Prince E.A., is very concerned about it also. But what is so fascinating about this is, again, you know, people are standing up and they're making a fight. And uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about this article is that it brings to mind that people don't take actions within a vacuum. They're saying that some of the conflicts that they're having are really because of climate change, that it's creating disruptions in the ecosystem that are also creating problems that people are fighting over. And I think that's really, really fascinating. I don't know anything about that, but I I think that that gives us a lot of food for thought, doesn't it? And we see people standing up that we tend to think of as just victims or barbarians or whatever and see them fighting for consciousness. And I love that. So, speaking about somebody who's not a victim or a barbarian, we are about to introduce you to our lovely guest, Prince EA. Now, the first thing is I don't really know how his name is pronounced, so (laughs) I'm prepared to be embarrassed. Prince EA or whatever, could you please tell me if I'm pronouncing your name right? You got it, EA. Prince EA. EA is like, yay. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell me, how did you get, where did that name come from? 
I know mm. everybody asks you that, but I can't help it. I have to ask you too. You know, surprisingly, not many people ask that really? uh, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the name comes from a place called Sumer. Uh, 6,000 years ago, um, what arose out of um, one, which is modern-day modern Iraq, uh, also known as Mesopotamia, Babylon, this little place called Sumer. Uh, it's the, the cradle of civilization. And these uh, people that lived in Sumer, the Sumerians, uh, they had a lot of knowledge, a lot of uh, technology that one would think right out of the Stone Age, how do you have this? So they created the wheel, for instance. They put 360 degrees on the circle. Uh, they knew about all the planets in our solar system without a telescope. They created the first written language, uh, cuneiform script. And I was totally fascinated by this culture. Uh, this was many years ago, um, which actually uh, was the reason why I got my degree in anthropology. But I was so fascinated by this culture. Like, how did they have such such knowledge and understanding? Um, but I started looking into their creator's creation story. Yes. And Prince EA, uh, Prince Earth, EA is his abbreviated version of Earth, um, he was their creator god and he freed them, these people, out of bondage through knowledge and wisdom. And I took on the name because, you know, through my music, through my art, I hope to free people or at least open their minds through knowledge and wisdom. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> I'm so glad that I asked you. So the mm. correct pronunciation is EA, not EA. EA. I mean, honestly, you know, what's in a name? That was a fantastic story about uh, Sumeria. And um, I very much appreciate the spirit in which you meant that because when I first saw your name, Prince EA, I thought, what kind of a guy is that who's kind of, who's walking around pretending that he's a prince? So before, tell me, tell me, has anybody else uh, had that question about you? Thinking, you know, are you a snob here, pretending to be, uh, you know, caring about the people? Hey, <laughs> I think I think so. Not not too many, but I'm sure it's happened before. I'm sure. So now to. Uh, but, but I just want to add here, but what, what? the story that he's told us really says that it's, there's no ego here. What is involved here is being a messenger to bring information and knowledge to others that can help them. So I love wonderful. that. I yeah. love that. You know, when I see myself the same way, um, I have a picture above my desk of a horse coming down the mountain. And I know mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, that represents the higher consciousness coming down. And uh, It's got a golden light on, on the saddle. Yeah. It does. And, you know, I just feel like a workhorse that's trying to bring, <laughs> bring the message of consciousness. So now tell me about your background. I mean, how did you get to be, what kind of a family did you come from? How did you get interested in positive rap? What was the state of rap when you got started? Was it more like gangsta or were there more positive rappers out? Like I see now that there are. So tell us about how you came to be who you are. Yeah, um, you know, hip-hop, rap music, it, it totally changed my life. Um, you know, growing up, uh, it's funny, I wasn't really allowed to listen to rap music. Uh, and so I, 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 I snuck around, you know, and I, I tried to listen to, you know, rappers like Biggie or, or Tupac and stuff like that. But it wasn't it wasn't a huge, I only liked the beat, you know, I only, I only liked the instrumental, the music, the background, 
and uh, it was just something to listen to, and it didn't really have much impact on my life until I came into contact with conscious uh, hip hop, and this was in this was in high school, um, probably my junior senior year in high school. Uh, a kid named Corey uh, gave me this album from a guy named Immortal Technique, and it just totally, uh, you know, you talk about just a, a amazing transformational experience like listening to this album he talked about everything from politics to to religion and metaphysics and it was it was his delivery was so aggressive and it was so you, you had to pay attention you know even though he was very angry it was still so in, informative and mm. you know listening to him listening to other rappers like a guy named cannabis uh, this guy's vocabulary was just off the charts, you know, and it, it made me go to the library and start, <laughs> you know, reading, reading up on these subjects that he's talking about, trying to understand the, the verbiage, the words that he's using, uh, because I, I was just so impressed. And up until this point, I was a very complacent student. Um, but afterwards, I developed a passion for music, for education. Uh, I started sitting in front of the classroom, you know, and, and engaging my teachers, you know, really it was, it was more of a, a challenging type of thing. Like they would say something and then I would say, well, what about this, uh, this yeah, historian yeah. that thinks this? And, you know, so it was, it was more combative, but it was still me being engaged in the educational process. And so, you know, fast forward maybe a year after that, I started making my own music. Sorry, but could you rewind a little bit before we fast forward? Because sure. I find this a fascinating, fascinating story and a very important one because I can see why your passion for doing positive rap, where that comes from, because it transformed your life. And mm-hmm. so exactly. the family that you came from, before we get to the fast forward, see, I just want to stop you. The family that you came from, were they very, uh, you know, education oriented or were they more, you know, I don't know, just, you know, go, trying to get along or manage or where was the, where, what was the family environment that you grew up in? Uh, yeah, my my uh, my parents definitely um, reinforced getting an education. Uh, they wanted they, they they tried their best to to help me. You know, I remember my mother spending a lot of time um, with me, helping me to to read. Uh, you know, and it was it was very intense sessions that we had uh, <laughs> learning how to read. I, I couldn't I couldn't get it. You know, and it was really? a lot of frust- frustration. Yeah, um, but you know. I think even though they reinforced education, I still was very complacent. I still only did schoolwork just to, to get by, you know, just to make them happy. It, I didn't have a passion for it, you oh, know, and, that, I, and I think I think for learning, you have to have a passion, you know. Exactly. If you, you have to follow that which you're passionate for, you know, or about. And so yeah. it was only until I developed that that I really understand um, and that did I really want to understand, um, you know, the things that my teachers were, were telling me. But that's very interesting. And, and did you have, now you said that at first when you heard this hip-hop that you liked the beat, but you weren't really that interested in the words. I mean, you weren't that much right. interested in the anger and all of that stuff. But then you started hearing, okay, there was anger, but it was anger for outrage for a good cause. Right, uh, right, right. And, and yeah. okay, and that's evolving, and that evolves because I don't feel. I mean, your your uh, rap 
is not angry. It's angry the way I'm angry. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what are we, crazy? You know, that kind of anger. Uh, rather than kind of you would, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use those words on the air, but everybody knows what I'm trying to say. Right. And, Uh, you know, it's, there's a we in this and a lot of anger is anger at others rather than Mm -hmm. let's take a look at ourselves. So how did, so maybe that's part of the fast forward because what I see in you, what I'd love about your work and why I feel like you're an inner revolutionary is that there is so much of that inclusiveness is we need to take a look at ourselves. When did that come about? Mm. Well, one second. Before I get into that, I just want to make something clear. I did my senior thesis on hip-hop and the commodification of hip-hop. Hip-hop actually started out as very educational, very informative. It was the voice of the voiceless. It was people standing up for community, a social, socioeconomic situation. They, they wanted to, 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 to preach these messages and educate the listeners. And then it transformed and got commodified and McDonaldized. You know, now really? we see the, the corporate influence, yeah, that, that has come in and kind of hijacked the, uh, the culture. Um, when was yeah. that? When was that, Princier? Because um, I'm very ignorant about hip-hop, and this is just fascinating yeah. to me, and I bet a lot of people don't know this either. When yeah. would you say that it was more giving the voice to the voiceless? Yeah, it was, it was the 70s. Uh, I mean, it, it was, it's all throughout, but in the mainstream, yeah. I guess, uh, it was definitely in the 70s when you had, in 80s, uh, when you had you know, artists like Public Enemy, uh, Chuck D, you know, these guys that, that, that were preaching, um, you know, messages and educating their, their listeners. Um, but, but even then, I mean, we, we all, there were always factions that, um, that kind of glorified materialism and things like that. And that's, it's, it's all, it's hip hop. It's a culture. There's the good and the bad, but mm-hmm. the main crux that hip hop was founded upon was the positivity, was the, the enlightenment, the education, the cultural inclusivity, uh, and the love, you know, that brought wow. people together in a spirit, in that spirit of, of enjoyment and happiness. You know, that was, that was hip hop. My goodness. And because, you know, what I had heard about hip hop is there were so many awful things that they said about women. And, you know, it was like, that's my, you know, that was like where I got my thoughts. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just, that's why this is so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, like that that hip hop that you might, you know, see on TV or or listen to on the radio is about 10% of what hip hop really is. Oh, my gosh. It's so vast. But unfortunately, you know, the corporate machines, they push the message that, that sells, that get, gets people's attention. Uh, and, that, and those, you know, misogynistic, uh, you know, views, partying, and, and, you know, that type of lifestyle is, uh, is often conveyed in the, in the mainstream. Now, is, that, is hip-hop an original American uh, art form? That is uh, debatable. Um, you know, some people can trace it back to, to Africa, but, you know, it, uh, you know, the guy's name, Cool Hurt, um, you know, when, when in, the, in the 70s, when this was first starting, um, it, was a, it was a DJ that mixed together a couple different, like, genres, reggae, uh, blues. It was a bunch of different things, integrated um, mm-hmm. disco into, these, into, the, into this art form, kind of a melting pot. So yeah. you can trace it. You you can trace it back. I don't think it's it's 
an official uh, origin story, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, the, the, it has it has roots that that probably go back to to Africa, depending on what you even classify as hip hop. You know. Yes, I can totally understand that. It's kind of like jazz. You know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> there are so many roots. So, exactly. okay, so now we can fast forward um, because I'd love to know how, what happened to you. So you're mm-hmm. getting inspired and you want an education. And this, mm-hmm. I know, is blowing the minds of our listeners, you know, who've been mm-hmm. listening to the same, uh, you know, the same concepts that I've been listening to about what hip hop is. So tell us what happened next. Yeah, what happened next is I, I pursued a rap career, uh, which I, I'm still a rapper, but, you know, for about <clears throat> eight years, I've been, you know, creating content, music that was educational. It was informative. It was, uh, but it was still very competitive, very compare and contrast myself with other rappers. And it was only until I stopped completely because it didn't it didn't really make me happy anymore. Uh, the art form, while it it it's it's still very beautiful, and I still I still create you know hip hop music. Um, the way I was doing it wasn't making me happy. It wasn't fulfilling me uh, anymore. I wasn't getting to where I thought I should be. It was a lot of uh, internal issues mixed with uh, external you know life issues, things that were happening to me. They really made me put it on a pause, and so I really developed, started to develop my spirituality, and you know, reading a lot of ancient texts, you know, watching different lectures on on YouTube, for instance, reading books and uh, audio books. Everybody from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh to to Muji to Ram Dass to uh, Alan Watts to Eckhart Tolle to all these. These individuals that really preach the, the same message of understanding the self and uh, and being mindful, you know, mindfulness. You know, you are not the mind, you are not the body. This message really transformed me, and you know, the urgency of this this play that we have on life. How we we must we must live in the moment and do what we have to do now. You know, because we don't know when our next. Uh, sun, our last sunset will be. You know, we don't know yeah. what's going to happen five minutes from now. We all we have yeah. is the now, so we must do everything, do what we want now, uh, and live our, our tr- to our truest purpose and our truest selves now, our fullest potential. So that shifted my content from the rapper com- competition. You know, the punchlines, the metaphors, to a more direct message of what's important: love, kindness, compassion. Uh, understanding. I started creating video logs as well, you know, uh, about how to let go of anger, how to let go of of, of, of fear and, and depression and de- these things like this, and uh, just to help people because, you know, overall, you know, I'm a, I'm a content creator. I never wanted to be boxed in with just rap, just just music. I wanted to to uh, to really explore all different vehicles to to convey a message. You know, I'm not I'm not biased to, to or you know attached to any any vehicle really. I just want to convey a message to to the to the masses, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and so I used the internet to do it, and it was really the not only the the reading of the literature but also the internal uh, journey um, that opened my eyes and told me really what I what I should be doing, and uh, I've had a lot of a lot of quote unquote success. Um, you know, when I, when I really started to let things flow and not control, um, 
you know, my life and my position as much and to really operate from my heart. That's when the success started to happen. Oh, really? Because I see so much of your work is on the Internet, on YouTube, and I know there's not a lot of big bucks on YouTube. <laughs> so uh, can I ask you this very simple you know, question? Is How do you make a living when you give away your work like that? Yeah, it happens. You know, um, for me, I, I speak. Um, you know, my, my music is uh, it's on sale. You know, I have it at iTunes. Um, you know, I, like I said, I lecture, I have merchandise, um, the, the, the videos are actually monetized, um, you know, through advertisements yeah. Yeah. on YouTube yeah. and other, other platforms. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not rich, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, well, I doing, love that. doing what I love. Yeah. That's a great story because that's really showing you that you're being supported by people. You know, exactly. it's the people that are supporting you rather than the record companies and the powers that mm-hmm. be that are giving mm-hmm. you the support. I, I had that feeling, but I, I really wanted to ask you because I was really curious. You know, I'd like to share with you a little bit about my journey, only because I think you'll see that there's some kind of a, a connection there. Of course, I'm mm-hmm. so much older than you. I'm 70. And uh, I came up through the political, social activist movement. I was very active until my mid-30s. But there was so much anger in the movement, and I had it too. And, um, you know, I I was very angry with my fellow revolutionaries. That was... (laughs) Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was angry at the government. I was mm-hmm. angry about racism. I was angry about, yeah. you know, apartheid. I was angry about the exploitation of workers. I was angry about the war in Vietnam. I was angry about the, you know, the oppression mm-hmm. of women. You know, I mean, I, mm-hmm. and I, I really felt very angry. And then I saw so many of my cohorts. Now, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because it's the truth. As you know, so mm-hmm. many people were uh, smoking dope and, you know, they come into a meeting and they say, yeah, man, you know, they thought they had written this great flyer. And, and I thought, what is the matter with these people? Can't they, you know, aren't they seeing the suffering that I'm seeing? You know, why aren't you doing, devoting your life to this, you know? Uh, and that, but I mean, that really bothered me. And then on top of that, People started getting into this, uh, you know, throwing stones and, you know, burning cars. And, you know what I mean? It's like this was not helping the movement. And many of the people in them, they were police informers. And it's very obvious that they were. And they were trying to undermine the movement. Um, so after, after, in my mid-30s, I, d- I was also very active in the women's movement. And the women were angry at the men. You know, but I could see the men were suffering, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was nobody who wasn't suffering. If, mm-hmm. if you really look at it, the rich suffer, uh, the poor suffer, yeah. everybody yeah. suffers, right? Yeah. And because we're not getting what we need, even though we think we're getting what we want. And I know that's one of your messages. And so I had a, just a breakdown, a meltdown, and I had a spiritual awakening in 1978. And I started to hear the inner voice. That I call God, or but you don't. I don't care what you call it. You know, it's some divine wisdom. And I started writing books and doing tapes. And I, I would open my mouth, and I knew things that I had no idea how I knew them. They were just as like sitting there, and I, I, I just it was amazing. And then I developed a way of uh, working with people intuitively and healing people and teaching and and all of that and. Um, but you know what was missing for me was that activism piece. I just 
was I always felt restless because I saw so much of our self-awareness. It was all about trying to make ourselves feel better or make a better life only for ourselves. And I was given the message from this inner voice that there is no personal salvation, that we are one and that we can't thrive in a world that isn't thriving. And so that old activist energy in me was very much um, you know, triggered by that. And here it is. At this stage in my life, I'm part of the inner revolution because I see that a lot of people are just like me. That it's uh, we've come that the world has changed, and that people like you, who are you know coming up and are, can have so much influence, you you get it. It's not about being angry about somebody else, and it's not about being complacent or just accepting things the way they are, like so many spiritual people think they should. And it's not right. about using our spiritual power in order to meet our ego needs by manifesting mm-hmm. what we want. It's mm-hmm. about realizing our oneness and that we all have to change together. And um, I'm so excited. That's why I'm devoting my life to the inner revolution. And when I bump mm-hmm. into people like you, which we, we have these incredible guests coming on, and they yeah. all seem to understand that it's all about oneness, accountability, mm-hmm. and mutual support. That's mm-hmm. what is we all have in common. Mm-hmm. And when, wow. I see, when I see you... Uh, you know, saying things that I said 30 years ago, but nobody listened to. And I'm, I'm not saying that from an ego perspective. I'm saying that the world has changed because you're saying it. And of course, you're saying it in your own unique way. And it's having an impact. And people are responding and they're supporting you. I feel supported by seeing yeah. you get millions of likes on your they are of listeners to, to, on your uh, work that makes that supports me because yeah. we are we're really one and I you know yeah. I just want to hug you <laughs> <laughs> so where do you see this going are you in contact with your viewers and listeners or are you having any thoughts about where this can all go yeah I just create content. Um, you know, I was, you know, a couple of years ago, I uh, had a lot of goals. I had a lot of um, things that I wanted to do, wanted to achieve, expectations. And now all I yeah. do is just create from my heart. I try to, I try to put a lot of effort in, in, you know, I just do my best with what's in front of me and release it to the world um, in, a, in a way that, that is... Because it's it's using my, it's skillfully done. You know, Buddhism they talk about skillful means, and uh, it's not about really what you say; it's how you say it. It's it's about putting the the pill in the applesauce. You know, I <laughs> I like to I like to use different clever ways to reach these these individuals, yeah. and uh, and that's and that's all I do, and that's all I'll I'll continue to do right now. I mean, I still you know I travel, and things have, things have kind of come to me. Uh, I can say, you know, when I when I let go of, of I need to be here, I need to be in in one year, in five years, I need to be, I need to be doing this. You know, when I let go of that, then things started to happen. You know, then I started yes. to achieve a lot of the the old goals that I had when I totally let them go. You know, yeah. So uh, so I don't I don't know where it's going, but um, you know, all I all I want to do is just live 
really live in the moment is, is, is the, the purest version of myself. I love and continue to create content that can galvanize individuals to, to, to you know, take that, that inner journey for an inner revolution. Yes, yes, absolutely. Have you met any opposition? Um, hmm. You know, not not really. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't. I, I don't see too much. It's not a it's not a polarizing message, you know, mm-hmm. really that I that I that I convey. It's it's things that every human being, no matter what race, no matter what party, no matter what class, you can identify with. You know, we all, like you said, we're all connected. We're all one, and I try to touch on that foundation, on that ground that we all can relate to. Um, you know, we, we, we all enjoy, um, we all want to be happy. You know, that's one thing about every human being on this planet from the, the teachers to the, to the, the, the activists, to the rapists, to the murderers, we all want to be happy. It's for the latter group. It's their ways, their means of getting to that happiness. that create more suffering for themselves and for the world. And so we're all on this journey of happiness, and we don't really know how to attain it. It's the elusive butterfly. And so yeah. me, I just, I just want to create things that can show people that, hey, happiness isn't out there. It's inside. Yeah. It's inside of you, you know. So it's, it's the way out of your pain is really the way in. you got to look in. Yeah, yeah. I love what you're saying. Um, you know, God told me like over 30 years ago that God is the totality, which means that God is the rapist and the saint mm. and uh, that mm. we need to own yes. all the aspects of God. And it, you don't have to believe. I mean, I don't think of a God as the guy with a white beard or anything like that, but it's like right. the totality of our consciousness at the highest level of integration. Yeah. And um, so that what you're saying is so true. And I truly believe, <laughs> and I'm betting my life on it again <laughs> and again and again and again, that deep down inside, we all know what's true, and we all know what's right, and mm. we just lie to ourselves. <laughs> and, you know, we're programmed in a certain way. We're too scared yeah. to stand yeah. up to convention. We, we all know that, that when we strike someone that we're hurting them and it hurts us. We yeah. all know what I know that, you know, a guy who rapes a woman or vice versa, but it's mostly a guy. I've been there. I've had the experience. I've been raped. I've looked in the eyes of my rapist. You know, I, I know what they're feeling. I can feel it because I'm an intuitive. They're suffering yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's so being a, a counselor too as well as a as a teacher you know I get to sit with people and look into their faces and feel their hearts and I know what they're going through and I know how powerless they often feel about their own behavior and uh, you know how caught people are in these uh, patterns and it's always a blessing when you can help somebody to transform that pattern and really find what James likes to call it, and I know others have called it this too, your authentic self. And the authentic self is the oneness. I mean, it really is not what we think. It isn't that each one of us, uh, you know, I'm just sharing my own view. That's not, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that, it, it's not that each one of us is going after some personal 
fame or ambition or whatever, mm-hmm. and that that's going, you know, I, if I get this or I get that mm-hmm. or I become important, mm-hmm. like that's going to make any difference. If I walk out the door and everyone mm-hmm. around me is starving to death, how mm-hmm. much will I care if I have an Emmy Award in my hand? Right, right, You know, wow. it's that wow. oneness in our, everybody's heart. And I yeah. feel like you've tapped into that and you're discovering that and we must be in a brave new world because there was a time when that message was rejected. And I mm. guess, you know, partly because of climate change, which is waking up everybody, and partly just because of, I don't know why, you know, it's the times mm. that people are yeah. coming to this and I'm so appreciative of it. How can people... Can I just add add something here? Yes. Uh, I I see in in Prince EA's videos uh, a way in which he challenges people, like in his, can we autocorrect human uh, ourselves, uh, about challenging people's uh, isolating themselves with their iPhones and and their uh, different technological apparatuses, iPads and so on. Uh, And so what's interesting is that Prince EA doesn't uh, draw a lot of opposition because he communicates from a space of oneness, like a yes. caring brother. Yes. He says, brother, sister, this is what I see going on, and I really care, and I'm really concerned. Yes. And so uh, I feel like you, Prince EA, are really modeling uh, that, that sense of oneness, that you're with us, that you, feel, you share your concern, and you hope for us to uh, have a better life and have more love yes. and happiness. And so I think that, that's really a key here. I love that comment, James. Uh, how do people f- find out more about you and see your work? Because we're coming sure. to uh, the close. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Facebook, our Facebook page is Prince. It's facebook.com backslash Prince EA Hip Hop. Uh, that's probably my, my largest um, social media uh, page. Uh, it's got about, got about a million followers, and that's probably where I post most material. Uh, you get updates, you know, with status it is stuff, but also the YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Prince EA. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. Just Google Prince EA and it's not too difficult to uh, to find me or to contact me. It certainly isn't. And I am so glad that we found you. <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay, be. James, Meant before be. we say goodbye, I want you to talk about what we're doing next week and then we'll come back. Okay, very good. Uh, coming up next week, Love, Religion, and Climate Action. Meet Catherine Hayhoe, world-renowned evangelical climate scientist. Love, Religion, and Climate Action aren't often found in the same sentence, but you'll find all three when you meet climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe, named by Time Magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in 2014. First, she has the facts about climate change and our responsibility for it. And she has religious faith and love. An evangelical Protestant, and wife of an evangelical minister, Catherine speaks to the moral imperative behind climate action. Plus, she speaks caringly to all, including other evangelicals who deny human responsibility for climate change. If you want a glimpse of this remarkable woman, woman catch a bonus clip from the documentary Years of Living Dangerously, where you'll see her in action with climate deniers. Find it on interrevolutionary.tv, Beth's channel on voiceamerica.tv. Just click on our new video on Catherine Hayhoe and don't miss our radio interview where you'll discover now how she manages to keep love in her heart as she sees the damage we do. And now for a final word from Beth. 
Well, isn't that what you were just saying, James, that you can feel the love in Prince EA's heart? So would you object for, if I'm going to give you a big hug across the continent there? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. No objections here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We had a few technical problems, but <laughs> we seem to do that a lot. But we have overcome. And stay on the on with me a little bit after the show so that we can give a proper goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Don't forget in a revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv and you'll see Prince EA and Catherine Hayhoe and Sakina Yakubi and some great inner revolutionaries. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us. Transform yourself and your world. Check out Beth Green's online community, theinnerrevolution.org, where you'll find effective support to become the person you really are. Find a variety of activities, including men's, women's, and family groups, low-fee counseling, workshops, events, and free support. Subscribe to our newsletter and receive a free PDF of Beth's book, Living with Reality. Meet a group dedicated to galvanizing the inner revolution sweeping our world, all at www.theinnerrevolution.org. I'm Beth Green, and I want to help you revolutionize yourself and our world. Take advantage of my powerful intuition in a private consultation that will amaze you. Discover my five books, three CDs of original music, School of Intuitive Counseling, upcoming workshops, trainings, and community. Sign up for my newsletter and get a free PDF of my book, Living with Reality. Tune into Inner Revolutionary TV, my channel on voiceamerica.tv. Find this and more at my website, theinnerrevolution.org. Be part of the inner revolution sweeping the planet. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green on the Voice America Variety Channel. And now, also enjoy Beth's channel, Inner Revolutionary TV, on voiceamerica.tv. See inspiring videos about our guests and the inner revolution. Hear commentaries that will help clarify our time. And watch interviews of people who will matter to you. Think outside the box. Watch Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.